consistent self-improvement, everybody. You're now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I'm your host, Classic, and I'm here with my co-host. Gypsy, and today we have Dr. Vinit Nair. He is a family physician, entrepreneur, and author of Healthier You, a family doctor's guide to the fundamentals of better living. Welcome to the show. Dr. Welcome. Thanks very much. Great to be, great to be here. To get started, I'd like to ask, you know, where are you from? Tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from and where you live now and how you got into um, what you practice today. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so I'm a family doctor. I, I'm in Ontario. I'm in London, Ontario. It's kind of like in between Toronto and Detroit, if you're looking on the map there. Okay. Uh, but I was born and raised on the East Coast in uh, New Brunswick in the Maritime Provinces and then uh, went into med school in, out in Vancouver in the West Coast and uh, kind of ended up in the middle here in Ontario. Um was drawn to family medicine, I guess, as a as a career choice within medicine, uh, really because I like the big picture when it comes to health. I didn't like any one thing, you know, enough to justify spending five, six years studying it. So I, I kind of liked having that broad scope of knowledge and, and kind of having that big picture when it comes to health. And so that's what kind of drew me to it, like the relationships within family medicine. And and um, I really have enjoyed my career in that even more than I thought I would have at the start, to be honest. Um but uh, yeah, I think I, I kind of got into the whole idea of looking at health, I guess, more on that big picture side of things, just because I got, I guess, a bit uh, interested in how people are always so worried about their health, but they seem to sometimes be worried about the wrong stuff. I see so much time people are spending and worrying about stuff that really doesn't make that big of a difference in their health. So I wanted to kind of help refocus that to um, be more on those things that have the biggest impact. So that's what I did to, to, to write the book. And then, but it still also influences how I practice in general every day. Okay. So when you say they're usually worried about the wrong stuff, what are some of the like common things that you see people worry about? I mean, they're all they're all real things, and they're they're totally justifiable. I don't want to say it's that people are kind of needlessly anxious, but in, in family medicine, a lot of it is is reassurance, right? We spend a lot of time kind of reassuring the worried well that you know what they have is not a symptom of cancer, it's not a heart attack, it's not uh, uh, any number of things that, that they're worried about, and we kind of want to make sure and do the tests and do the exams and take the history to determine that yes. You have this symptom, but it's not a heart attack. It's not cancer. It's not uh, a pneumonia or what, what have you, right? So that's kind of, that's where the concern comes from. But then I see a lot of people that are trying to be healthy because they want to be healthy and, they, and they, they kind of will focus on things that maybe isn't the most important thing when I look at them as, as, a, as a physician looking at them in their health, right? They'll be looking at, you know, I want to be healthy. So I started taking this supplement, and but they're not, but they're still smoking or they're not exercising at all or they're you know, still eating a bad diet, like those kind of things, I think are, um, you know, we only have so much time in our lives to focus on our health. Like we're all busy, we have stuff to do. And, and uh, you want to spend that time when you're thinking about trying to do something for your health, I, I would think you'd want to do it on stuff that has the biggest impact, it'll make the biggest difference for yourself. What do you feel like are some of those like, things that we should focus on that would make a, a bigger impact? Yeah, no, I think it's um, it's kind of this, it's the kind of the common sense stuff, to be honest. I mean, I think it's one of those things where if I asked anybody, um, you know, list the top 10 things you can do to be healthy, I would hope that everybody's list would be kind of the same, right? I think we, we kind of all know those kind of basic things that, you know, grandmother, mother medicine that we kind of just kind of know, but we just kind of forget. And we think that we know so much more about science and medicine now that we should be doing something more complicated or more fancy or more sexy, right? Like we got to do gene therapy or genetically testing the something and getting more tests done and more more things otherwise so i think that's kind of where it came from I mean, that was kind of where this whole book thing came from like i remember uh we were my wife and i were leaving on a holiday and i was kind of rushing around to you know get out the door as you do before a holiday and we kind of got onto the plane and 
sitting like just relaxing and I was kind of saying this whole thing that you know they're worried about the wrong stuff it's kind of frustrating my wife was kind of like all right Mr. Big Shot then what should they be worried about right so we kind of just literally just sat on the plane and just made a little list of things on our little piece of paper there and, and made a little waiting room posters to put up just to remind people uh, about those things right and, and and so it kind of came down to that it was but it's still the big things right it, it's it's like um, you know, what you're putting in your body, you're eating, you're moving, you're sleeping. How do you enjoy your life the best? Uh, how, how do you quit smoking? Um, can you uh, find ways to sleep better? Um, then to talk about some of the interventional stuff like screening tests, vaccinations. And then at the end of it all, you could think about, you know, supplementation with something if you felt that was something you wanted to do. Um, but when I go even beyond that, though, if you look in my book, it's about the first two things are think and change. And I think that's where the fundamental start kind of comes from, like starting to critically think about what do you want to achieve when you're talking about being healthy? Like, what does that mean to you? What is your ultimate goal? And how do you get there? And how do you analyze all this crazy information we get all the time about health? And how do you find a way to kind of navigate that to some degree? So you feel like you have something uh, to hang your hat on that you can move forward confidently. Like the eating part is getting so yeah. confusing right now because yeah. I do a lot of research on that just to figure out like what's the best thing for me. And it's there's so much research on everything. So it's like yeah. you don't know which way to go. Yeah. And, and, and I think I, that's totally understandable. I think, you know, I get confused all the time, too. And I think that's I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a you know, a, right. I, I don't give people specific diets to follow. Um, so for me, it was kind of just trying to figure out what are those big principles. Again, I'm a big picture guy. What are the big principles that kind of can you use to help guide you, whatever kind of diet you want to follow? Because, um, you know, you can say lots of things that, that will be, you know, you'll read about, but practically speaking, it won't be possible for you or for someone else. Right. So, I mean, so um, there are some fundamentals, I think, that still play a role no matter what kind of diet you choose. Right. I mean, it depends on what your what your goal is. I mean, if it's weight loss, it's one thing. If it's just being healthy, it's another Um but I mean, in terms of weight loss, I think it still comes down to calories in, calories out. It's still a fundamental thing that that really does make a difference. And and all the different diets do tend to still target that. They just do it in different ways and they may not advertise that, right? I mean, if you're talking about intermittent fasting, if you're eating less hours per day, you're likely going to eat less calories. If you're talking about a low-carb, uh, high-protein diet, protein tends to be more filling, so you tend to eat fewer calories as a result of that. If you're really restricting your diet in terms of just eating specific foods, because you've given yourself less choice, you're going to eat less calories. Like So all those things kind of, that fundamental thing that it has to be, no matter what you do, if you want to lose weight, less calories is still important. Um, and then it's still like those, again, it's mom medicine kind of stuff, right? Just, you know, eating mainly whole foods, things that you can prepare yourself that, that you're cooking rather than buying at a store that's overly processed, just because you can control that, what's going into it, you know, what's going into it kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so I, I try to avoid kind of getting the specific diets, but I think just some fundamentals are important, like that whole thing about calories. You know, find your lowest low-hanging fruit, like, you know, avoiding um, excessive calories through alcohol or other kind of, you know, pops and, and sodas and that kind of stuff. Um, and then trying to find a diet that you can sustain, because if you can't do it for the long haul, um, it's just not just not not feasible. I mean, I think I'm always amazed at how much people are willing to suffer and, and put themselves to crazy things for three months, four months. They'll, they'll eat these, they'll follow these, these really intense diets that are really restrictive. And I could never do that. Um, and so they, they do it for that period of time. They'll lose some weight and they'll feel better, maybe or maybe not. Uh, and then they'll be they'll go off that diet, right? So I think that's the sustainability part is is a huge part of whatever diet you're cho- you're choosing to follow. Yeah. To kind of go back to the uh, part where you were saying um, people worry too much. A lot of times when you yeah. turn on the TV and if you watch the news, they're going to give you 
a crazy list of things to worry about and to be afraid of. How responsible is like TV and social media for like the average person's health out here when it comes to saying what is possibly almost healthy and five years right. later, this isn't healthy. Type yeah, I think I think that goes down to that critical thinking to be able to analyze some of those things as it comes in. And, and I think um, you do hear tons of claims coming in all the time about, about health and, and, and trying to be afraid of this. When you hear about it, it does sound scary. I mean, you, we all remember the cases of cancer in your family or in friends and it kind of it kind of gets on your mind. Or if someone has a heart attack, I think, you know, is this chest pain now a heart attack for me? And those things are all, you know, the more you hear about it, the more you think about it. I mean, that's the common joke in medical school, right? Everybody in medical school thinks that no matter what subject we're studying, we all have those same diagnoses as we're going through it, right? Like that's like, oh crap, that's talking about me now when I'm talking about bipolar disorder or about irritable bowel. That's like, oh, I guess I have that now. Um, so just the more you hear about it, the more it does get get in your head. But in terms of like, you know, that, that the things you hear about in terms of what's, um, what's good for you, what's bad for you. I mean, I think having some sort of framework to think about that is important. And, and what I kind of go through is sort of like, one is just what is the actual claim that they're trying to make here? Like sometimes you'll hear stuff, oh, this is good for me. Like, but what does that mean? Like good, good for what? Right. Like that's like, that's really not very helpful saying it's good for you. Is it going to help me, you know, reduce my risk of cancer? Is it going to help me live longer? Is it going to help me, you know, grow more hair? Is it going to help me lose weight? Like what is the actual claim that they're making there? Good enough is just not good enough. You can't just say it's just healthy and just leave it at that. You got to be more specific. Sure. And then I think you have to think about like, what is the actual um, we talk about like the, in testing for medicine, we talk about this thing called the pretest probability. Like if you order a test, every test has a chance of being wrong just based on errors in the test. And so mm-hmm. you got to think before you even order the test, like what's the likelihood of thinking this is going to be a positive test or it's going to mean something or is it just a mistake, right? And the classic example is a pregnancy test. If you give that to a guy, if it comes back positive, it's pretty darn clear that the test is That's wrong, right? For the most part, you're pretty darn sure of that, right? So it's not a very useful test. Um, so I think, if you get if you hear a claim that doesn't fit in with anything else that we know about with with health, like we you know we of everything we've known for the ever, and all of a sudden someone says something that makes no sense from what we know about science and how the world works, then it requires a ton of evidence to turn over that that uh, that to make that belief accepted in the medical community in the, in the community at large, right? So I think that's kind of getting not just looking at everything in isolation, but how does it fit in with the bigger puzzle of what we know about the body and the health of us all already. Um, and then you can kind of look at things a bit more in terms of what's the actual, you know, what's the actual basis of the claim? Like, how do they, like, why are they thinking this is true? Is it because, you know, some celebrity said so, or is it because there's really good evidence and studies about it? Or is it because they said it's, you know, it's been done for thousands of years, so it must be good. Or it's because some, you know, um, some other, it's natural, so it must be good. So, like, you know, these other claims are out there that don't have as much validity as those really strong scientific studies. So, um, when it comes to trying to be healthier, though, I think it's still it's going to be pretty hard pressed to get better than not smoking, eating a healthy diet, exercising regularly for this for those kind of basic things. I mean, this is this is talking about trying to um, be healthy in the in the grand scheme of things, not about dealing with a specific illness or or diagnosis, obviously. But, but yeah. I had a question there, and but I think I lost it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> no worries. Apologies. Go ahead. That's right. Like, what do you guys find are challenging for you when you kind of think about health in general? Like, you know, you, you, you hear, you know, lots of things. What are you trying? What do you, what do, you do when you're trying Actually, to be healthier? Well, yes. I, sorry. I'm sorry. I it was, apologize. You no mentioned problem. natural. And yeah. 
there are as far as with holistic doctors and basically certified doctors, why is there kind of like um almost that you want to say that naturally there's a less trust with holistic doctors versus um I guess, you know, yeah, certified, certified doctors, right? And yeah, yeah. there's a, but this, this basically the study is still there that, you know, even from the proof of what they do is, is still there. Why is there still that um, distrust there? Um, I think it depends what, again, it, it, you have to get into it a bit deeper, right? I mean, I think we always kind of say that if it works, we will do it. Like, it's not like we have any, any, like, I don't really care. Like if, if, if something works to help a patient, it doesn't matter to me if it's, you know, a herbal product or a prescription drug or, or a surgery or what have you. Right. But if the evidence is all based on, is all there to show that um, the medication works better, um, that there's not a lot, a, full, a, lot, a lot of evidence on the, on the herbal side of things, then we have to kind of question that. Right. And so I think that's where um, we kind of have a certain level of standard that we kind of have to, we, we have, we are obliged to do Like We have to say, these are the risks. These are the benefits. This is the evidence for it. This is why we think this would be, a, be recommended for you. I don't know. I have if I have if there's that much confidence in the others on, on that kind of natural quote unquote side. And the idea that natural is always good is not not really a, a valid evidence, right? It, it's still lots of things that are natural can kill us, right? And and lots of things that are natural are also not as well regulated when they're when they're processed. We don't know. We can't always guarantee what's in them, or we can't always guarantee um, you know what's what's well what is the active ingredient in that. So yeah, anytime you talk about something, it, it is it, it's very specific on the actual condition. You have to really kind of look at what you're trying to treat. Um, but you don't want to be taking something that has less evidence and not taking something that has better evidence, especially if you're treating an illness that has significant health consequences. In our mind, we want to kind of make sure that that's treated to the best we can. And I, I don't I don't want to say there's animosity there. I think it's more just you know just giving people full information, right? I mean, I think I think if people you know, hear that, hear our point of view or their point of view. And it's hopefully the same point of view, just like this is the evidence for what would work the best for your condition based on the evidence that we know. This is the pros and the cons. These are your choices. And the patient ultimately decides. I mean, I don't want to, I don't ever kind of think that it's up to me to say, you have to do this. And if you don't, you're not my patient anymore, right? It's always kind of like, these are the options. This is, you know, this is the pros, this is the cons. These are the choices you have. What do you want to do? Um, that's kind of how I look at treat my patients anyway over the past two years we all can agree that the, there's been a lot going on in the health industry altogether or the medical industry altogether yep. what's your opinion on kind of how things were going before and then the view on how what what is considered healthy now or even just how everything was you know how the process was even handled to for the healthy person because we're in California, so we get a lot yeah. of sun. Yeah, you know, so and we exercise often as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, healthy people, and we haven't, you know, had seen anything as far as I had anything. We haven't been sick probably in the past five years since we've been here. So right. What What is even you know what's your opinion on how things have played out over these past? Two years. I mean, do you mean just in general, or around this whole COVID nineteen pandemic we're living through, and we're trying to figure out what's what's next for us? Yes. All of that. Um, I mean, I think there's 
it's a complicated thing, right? There's so many factors involved. I don't want to say that I have all the information or the best for stock, but it's not a, I'm not a public health physician. I'm not a, a infectious disease physician, but obviously I've been involved with our, our handling of things here in my community. Um, you know, I think it's, we're, things were changing and we're getting new information constantly. Like it's pretty been pretty amazing how much has happened in terms of from the isolation of the virus to getting a vaccine, getting vaccines out to people. And then the vaccine, you know, gets, gets the variants change and that has different effectiveness on the vaccine. So there's lots of moving pieces here, obviously. Right. So, um, no, I think there's a, there's a lot of factors. I think, I think things have been done better in some ways, for sure, in terms of communication. I think absolutely. I think we're always trying to, um, you know, do better with that. And some people have been better at it. Some, um, some areas have done better with that. It's, it's, but it's a balancing act because you're balancing public health, which is just all about giving people the best chance to be healthy and, and, and be, being equal across the board for everybody to be healthy. And then you got politics and government where they're trying to, you know, manage businesses that have to, that have to survive to, because public health doesn't always think about all of that aspect. They do, they do try to, but it's out of their jurisdiction a lot of times. Uh, but they have to balance the business side of things and how to keep people working and keep people getting income and, and all those kind of things. Uh, um, so I, I, it's been hard and there's going to be different changes depending on where you are. Cause I think, you know, we're in Canada, so we didn't have a lot of choice to just meet family outside for, for the winter months, right? So that was, you know, a challenge for people to be either super isolated, not being able to see their families or risking exposure and, and you know, being in small groups or larger groups indoors is not a great, was not a great thing back then. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's been a complicated time for sure. And I think we're all just trying to do the best we can with the information we had at the time. Um, but I truly believe that, you know, certainly from the medical side of things, we've all been trying to work our butts off, trying to figure out the best way to help people get through this with the with the least people getting sick right because we just hear enough stories um of people that that had it and, and obviously succumb to the to the virus you're trying to do everything you can to reduce even one case is, is a good thing right um but it's a challenge right? you're balancing pros and cons on so many levels when it's a global pandemic that affects literally everything and everybody right so um I, yeah it was a tough it is still a tough time to try to figure out the right path through all this yeah with some of the information that was given or a lot of the information that a lot of people got and it mostly comes through the news. What are, what are some of the, the trust issues that, that some of the people may have now with, with trusting what comes from the news versus what to believe in versus what they're seeing with their own eyes about certain health things, even dealing with um, the vaccine or other, other, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, I mean, I think that's always been a challenge for everybody, right? I think we, there's a lot of um, challenge with, with messaging um, when you're dealing with these complicated issues. People have really strong feelings about. Um, I think it's it's, I think it's it's been hurt. I think I think still there's a lot of people that are that are going to be really um, hesitant with any recommendations for public health um, and government for the foreseeable future. But it it also comes down to honestly a bit of culture too, right? I mean, I think. Um, I think, you know, in Canada, we tend to, for the most part, trust our systems. I mean, certainly there, there's a local part too, but for the most part, we do trust our, our, our systems and people do tend to follow the rules of when people are asked to. There's still a vocal minority that don't, but, or that are upset about it. But for the most part, we, we do. Um, I think other places, I think the U.S., I think you are very independent minded. There's a lot of questioning and, and that from what we see from the other side of the border. Um, so um, I think there is a difference in some of those things. Um, so I can't comment too much on that aspect of things, but but I do agree that, that, you know, we have seen the effects of social media on messaging on, you know, people kind of hearing the same messages from their 
silos in their social media community and then and not really stretching out beyond that. And that was the case before COVID as well, right? I mean, you would still see people, you know, people will tend to, people always tend to read things and listen to things that, that confirm what they already believe. That's always been the case. And, and, you know, even if I try to read an article that goes against something that I know, I, I, I believe the opposite. It's hard for me to get to that article. Like, honestly, I want to just, you know, flip it to something else. It's just uncomfortable, right? So um, that's always the case. We all have this confirmation bias where we tend to listen and hear things that, that agree with what we already think. Um, and I think social media really feeds into that. I know you had um, a chapter on um, on vaccination and like child uh, immunization and things like that. And, and I don't have um, a kid, but that's one thing that I've looked into because I know there's even before COVID there was, you know, hesitancy in general with people feeling like um, there's a lot more, uh, it's, it's just more and more um, vaccines being added to, um, I guess, the, um, to go to school or to, um, to just be a part yeah, of society. Right. Um, yeah. And people feel like, it's also causing other health issues, whether it be um, autism and things like that. Um, do you have? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I have strong feelings on that, and I, the chapter is still, still everything that I believe in, in that. And and even with COVID vaccines coming out, it's still pretty darn applicable to all of the things that came out in COVID. This is not all the stuff that came out during COVID vaccine hesitancy and, and concerns were all the same things that were there before COVID came out, right? So. Um, and those are all common concerns we hear. And I think whenever I hear families uh, and, and uh, that come in with questions about the vaccination program, I try to really be um, specific and try to figure out what specific concerns they have. Again, because there's so many things out there, I don't know which which concern they're 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 worried about, right? Because I could start talking about one that was never even on their mind, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean, the whole purpose of vaccination, right, is to um, allow the body's natural immune system to create defenses against these illnesses before you even get them, right? So. Traditionally, you would get sick, you would get antibodies against the, the illness, and then you would be immune to it. You wouldn't be able to get it again. But you have to first get the illness and survive it to get to that point, right? So we want to get that ahead of the, get ahead of that game, right? So so that's what the whole vaccination program is about: is to give these vaccines um, before the, the child has a chance to be exposed to them, so they can get the immunity before they get exposed to even once. So don't have to take the risk of getting chickenpox, meningitis, what have you, right? Um, so that's that's the rationale. So that that's why. The more we can get, theoretically, the better. Your body can handle it. I mean, we, we have a very powerful immune system. It's pretty darn amazing what we can do with it. Um, and and it's been shown time and time again that we can handle all these vaccinations. Um, and, it, and even as we do these things, just remember that we're giving just portions of these, most, most of these vaccines, are just a small portion of the virus itself, right? It's just like a few proteins on it. So you're, it's, it's how many antigens or how many triggers are there to create antibodies. So, so by having... Um, you know, the vaccine, you're getting far smaller um, numbers of, or, or I guess, um, induction of the, vac- of the immune response because you're not getting exposed to that many proteins. Your body can handle way more than that. And, and it's, um, it's, it's really been, uh, it's really a miracle of what we've been able to do uh, with vaccinations and how we've eradicated so many illnesses and we don't see them more. I, I, my, my career, there's so many things I've never seen before. Like, you know, I've never seen measles. I've never seen, uh, I guess I've seen chicken pox maybe once or twice, but that's about it, right? I, I mean, you mean when we you talk personally to, having it yourself, or you? No, no, in my practice, like in my work life, in my residency, my training, like I don't see these things. You don't have, you don't have them. When you talk to older docs that have been through, you know, that was 
the pediatric rotation was just like floors of patients with all of these illnesses, right? It, this is, we forget, right? We forget how, how well they work that we don't see them anymore. Um, so now when you hear about measles outbreaks, I mean, for a lot of us docs, if we had a measles outbreak, that'd be the first time we see it. Because we never, we never seen it before because everyone's got been vaccinated before. So um, we forget how we, we have recency biases. Well, we don't remember how it was before that we had, there were all these illnesses that we didn't, that we don't have to deal with anymore. Um, so I think, you know, bottom line, I mean, they're, they're safe and they work, I think is the biggest thing I keep on telling patients. I mean, it's the most monitored thing we've done. We've, we vaccinate, as you know, we vaccinate literally like billions of people a year, <laughs> you know, every year we vaccinate kids, we vaccinate, you know, we just vaccinated, you know, whatever it was, 8 billion people with, with their 7 million, whatever it was, we vaccinated with COVID-19 vaccine. We have ample evidence of its safety. We know exactly um, what's going on with these things. And it's been remarkably safe for the COVID vaccine and the other vaccines. Again, all of those risks that you've mentioned about autism, that's been disproven. Um, it's just uh, the story still hang around. So but the, um, it's unfortunate. The medical yeah. industry does have a long history of side effects with things. And it's hard to imagine even for the general public that there could be something that is meant for everyone and it's, it's rolled out, you know, and, and a kind of fast amount of time. There are certain like concerns that are from dealing with certain like protein spikes and myocarditis and things that, you know, are out there that raise some types of alerts, you know, dealing with it. And you mentioned um, even like chicken pox and things. I remember having chicken pox myself yep. and, it's not necessarily, I can't say it's a lethal um, illness. Well, you survived it, though. You survived but, it, right? But you I survived people it. That died. The people that died aren't here to talk about it, right? So that's, that's, that's survivorship bias. There. We only hear people that have survived the illness and got through it. We don't hear from people that have not survived it or have, or have been seriously ill by it. So we have to remember that because that is a common, common fallacy right. that we have in our heads. We always think about that. But do you know anybody personally that has had chicken pox that has not been vaccinated and has survived it. But that's not relevant to the question, though, right? That's so a, it's a part it, of the that, study. That, that though, anecdotal, right? anecdotal evidence is not, no, it's not. Though. Anecdotal evidence is not valuable, right? It, I, if I have a story where one patient had a side effect to a drug, and I say, well, I'm never going to use that drug again, but that drug works 99% of the time, and I happen to have that one person, that's bad medicine, you know, no longer offer that, that product. Right, but and what if, if that's if, not the case with just 1%? What if it's more than one percent? But, but we have evidence, though, right? Like, like we have but these. These are being studied routinely. We, we check. We have these systems in place to look at chickenpox vaccines. Uh, every vaccine we have to look for side effects. We're not going to give people vaccines that are going to hurt kids. We're here to help people, right? I'm not. I'm not like. I don't want to spend the whole time talking about vaccines because because it, it can get pretty heated and people can get. Right. Um, we're not right. We don't. Know, want, we're not going to get. We're not going to get heated. heated it's just but, a, but, 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 but I do want to say though that that. that you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all working to help people. Like, there's nothing in it for me to give a vaccine to a kid. Like, I get paid, what, two bucks to do it? Not even. I think I, I think I lose money because it doesn't cover the cost of needles and stuff. There's nothing in it for me. Yeah, but I, public health-wise, we know on a population level, this does help the population, right? That's what, This is population health, um, which is a fundamental part of public health, is, is trying to, um, to improve the health of the public, protect them all as, as much as we can. Right. But we also have people that live lives that, it don't necessarily reflect that's what we see that comes from that industry. You know, I just a couple of years had an uncle that passed of diabetes and they never rushed out to give out free insulin. So we question things in the society right. that we live in that. Yeah. Things, I mean, that's when that's, things um, happen a certain way and 
we're we're looking at something with our own eyes and we're being told yeah. one thing. It's hard. Gotcha. It's hard. To yeah, yeah, of, no, no. The trust so is, is a huge even, thing. And again, I think there are fundamental. I, I mean, I have to say, there's going to be fundamental differences in a in a Canadian's experience with the healthcare system and the American experience, right? I mean, we don't have. I don't have any way to compare to that. Like, I, I can't. I can't even. Because I actually um, know people personally that has never been vaccinated. Yeah, I, no, I, I mean, like even at, no, I mean, like at birth. They've yeah, never no, I been vaccinated. They've I don't kick them out of my practice. I'm just saying right. I, I want to. I want. I try to get them vaccinated. And any so, any program you have, right? But when it comes have, like, when it comes to that type of uh, studies, when you're saying this percentage of people, are we looking at the percentage of people that didn't get vaccinated at all and survived all of these illnesses? And now we can maybe look into maybe we don't have to vaccinate the other. 99%. We have 1%. Well, we never is- do though, right? We always, I mean, any, any successful vaccination program has a, has a number that we need to get to, to have population and herd immunity, right? So not anyone, but for the, for the traditional ones, right? So there's always going to be some percentage that doesn't get vaccinated, but the reason they're protected is because the people around them are protected and there's no, there's no, um, uh, virus going or the illness going through the community, right? It's like, like if you're in a crowd with, you know, with hundred people, 80 of them have umbrellas up and it's raining. Well, the other 20 people are not going to get wet because all the umbrellas are all around them, right? But they're not, they're not carrying the umbrella, but the other people are. So, um, so we're still looking at, there's always going to be a group that doesn't get vaccinated. We understand that. We're not going to get to hundred um, percent. And you, you don't want to, you don't, don't, it's been a weird time where we've had to force and, and cajole and try to encourage more of this vaccination. Well, why does it have to be forced? Well, no, it hasn't been forced, but um, because we're, we, well, you've seen the, I'm just saying, like, in terms of COVID-19 vaccine, the governments have tried to make incentives to get people to get vaccinated, whether it's, you know, restricting travel, restricting this, restricting that, right? So right. because it has such a huge impact on global spread and community spread and businesses and all that kind of stuff, right? So that was where that encouragement was coming. But because it is, it is a public health thing, right? We're trying to help the most vulnerable. And if, 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 so, if, if, if it comes to the point where, you know, a child is uh, vulnerable that, that not all vaccines work for it. If, if they've had leukemia as a kid, they've had chemotherapy, they're on these drugs, they can't, the vaccines won't work for that child, and they get exposed to measles or, or chicken pox, whatever, their likelihood of getting really sick with it is really high. And they're relying on everybody else to, to get vaccinated to protect them, to reduce their risk of getting exposed to it. So that's, that is the other reality, right? We have patients that, that, are, that, that if their vaccinations drop and outbreaks come up, they, they are scared to send their kids to the programs in schools because they don't they know their child if they get sick they have a high high chance of dying or getting to serious complications so it, it's it's a lot of factors involved public health is a complicated thing i'm not a public health physician like i said but i'm just i'm just saying that this is this is the rationale behind a lot of these programs is, is to try to protect the most vulnerable i understand but i mean except also you know the experience you have in, in terms of again i can't relate to the healthcare system in the u.s where like we don't charge patients here right so we don't have People turned away for for not be, they, they, they come and we see them we treat them and prescribe things and and there's always something there for them um, so that part is hard for me to kind of you know culturally system you know figure out how I would even be able to practice in that kind of environment so um, yeah so I, I can understand if, if on one hand if you know you can't get something so obvious as insulin for something but you're giving this other you're pushing this other thing like what's the, why why the difference right I can I can see that kind of confusion right. that that. Because as you said, you know, as they say, African-Americans supposedly have a high chance of getting diabetes. Then why isn't it looked at the same way as this? No. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I, 
again, we, we see the prices and the, the challenges of the insulin and it's, uh, it's, it's always makes, uh, makes us scratch our heads, uh, but again, it's a totally different system. So I can't, uh, I can't uh, really relate, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately on my end, but, uh, yeah. Um, I guess before we, um, get ready to, uh, close it out, um, is there anything you want to leave the audience with, um, where they can find your book, um, social and things like that? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm, I, I'm still a full-time doc. That's what I do. I, the book thing is kind of something I've just uh, worked on for, for my own sake to have uh, help me have that kind of, uh, help me clarify my thoughts myself in my head so I can kind of have something to share with my patients and, and, and broader if, if there's interest. Um, yeah, you can get the book on, you know, Amazon, on any kind of online uh, place where you buy your books. Uh, you can order it there. Um, my website's benitnirmd.com. Um, yeah, you know, see some samples of the book at that, that poster I was talking about with some little reminders for how to be healthier are there. Um, but I guess what, what I would leave people with, I think, would be just the whole idea of, of um, being clear on on what you mean when you're trying to be healthy. I think for, for me, it's, um, you know, I, I think as a physician, I'm always thinking about what's your what's your best chance to, you know, age gracefully into your 80s, 90s or longer, living a healthy life without any serious consequences or complications of, of illness. Um, other people may think healthy and they look and, and often we get confused by that because the health industry is so big on like six packs and, and looking a certain way. And, and, um, and, and I think just that confusion part is, is really important to clarify that when you're trying to, to be healthy, in my mind, it is that kind of giving yourself the best chance to get older. And that is actually a lot easier to do than trying to look like the rock or look like say Jennifer Lopez or whoever that you're trying to look like. Right. So I think if we keep that goal in mind, that's much more attainable. You know, it's simpler things. It's not always easy, but it is simpler. Um, and uh, as I, my mantra kind of is, 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 you know, rediscover what matters, uh, focus on what works, and then just relax about the rest and live the healthiest life you can enjoy. I can agree. Yeah. Well, we appreciate having you. We appreciate your time and consideration coming in and talk with us and educating us on things. Yeah. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yep. And if you're ever in... Um, Los Angeles, feel free to stop by and have a in studio. Um, All right, well. sounds great. Sounds great. Yeah. And for the listeners, you can find the podcast at americangypsy.com as well as all podcast platform. You can find consistent self improvement merch at luamlee.com. And as always, we'll have all of this information on the description. And you can also find some relaxing music at Classic, K-L-A-C-C-I-K-C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A on uh, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Tidal, all major platforms, some cello instrumentals, a little vocals, and also some electronic stuff for our YouTube soundtrack. Thank you to our listeners, our viewers, our supporters, our commenters, everybody that donates. We appreciate you. Thank you again. And consistent self-improvement. Peace. Peace.